Praise God. I was blessed with a fam fabulous, fantastic mother, and she wasn't that by accident. She was that on purpose because she chose to be what God made her to be. That is why she was a good mother. Not because she's perfect, not because she had all the gifts, but because she chose. She said yes to the Lord. And that's what we can do, moms that are here. You might not be the perfect mom. I know I'm not. I know there's days where I'm like, wow, I'm a terrible mother. Or that's what I think. That's how I feel. Because chaos is reigning. But if I am choosing to be what God has called me to be, then I'm the best mother for my children. Because God gave them to me and me to them intentionally. So don't be hard on yourself. Don't think, if I were only like that, Mom, if I were only like that woman, I could be such a better mom. Don't think that. Take captive those thoughts. Cast them down in Jesus' name and be what God has made you to be. Choose to be the mother God has made you to be and you will be exactly the right one. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Well, you may be seated. I'm not going to read scripture to start because I have a lot of scripture throughout. But there's such a, a precious spirit of God in this place today. And uh, by nature, God is a God of invitation. He's a God of invitation. And that's what I want to talk to you today about. I want you to get into your mind that Jesus says to you, constantly. You are invited. He constantly gives you invitation. Always he gives that to you. It's always open. But have you ever really uh, wanted to get an invitation to a specific event maybe? Um, maybe there was something that you heard about and you didn't receive invitation to it and you felt kind of hurt, kind of rejected. Have you ever experienced that? Kids experience that a lot. But as adults, you know, we kind of get over that. We kind of be like, well, I'm good. And we, we try to go beyond that, right? Because we don't want to feel the pain of rejection. And so we learn how to deal with that. So we get beyond that. And then we're like, it does, it's not a big deal that I wasn't invited to such and such. It's not a big deal that I don't get to hang out with that group, even though that looks like the fun group. It's not a big deal. That's what we tell ourselves. It's not a big deal. I'm good. I'm okay, I can do this. But really, it can hurt down inside when we're not part of the group we wanna be part of. It really can hurt when we're not receiving the invitation that we feel like maybe we could have received. It really can hurt when we maybe receive an offhand invitation, right? Have you had that? Somebody is like, oh, oh, yeah, you can come too. And it's kind of like, oh, do you really want me to come? Or are you just saying that because I happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time? And thanks. <laughs> yeah, so we all have those experiences because as humans, we desire acceptance. We desire value from others. We desire that. Um, and we're, we're created to accept invitation. 
Isn't that interesting? God is a God of invitation, and we're created to accept invitation. Isn't that interesting? All things are designed well by my God. Um, so we have these, these invitations that come and go that we take advantage of or we don't take advantage of. Maybe you've received an invitation that you're like, ooh, I do not want to go to that party, that wedding, that whatever, <laughs> right? You're like, eesh, sorry, can't make it. <clears throat> So we have that kind of imitation come into our life too. But we have this innate desire to be included and accepted and valued. We try so hard to be what we think others want us to be. We try so hard to do what we think others want from us. We try so hard to prove our value, don't we? To others, to ourselves, right? We try so hard. I mean, is there anything we try harder at? No. Everything we do in life surrounds this idea of, of proving ourselves to ourselves, to, our, to others, and even to God. We prove. We try to prove it, right? We try to prove that I'm enough. We try to prove that I'm, I'm smart enough. I'm good enough. I'm pretty enough. We try to prove that. Well, maybe you guys don't prove that you're pretty enough, but you, you try to prove, right? But God says, prove me. God says, prove me. And he, he means it. He means it. You're supposed to look to him for your value. You're supposed to look to him for what he can do in your life. And he wants you to prove him to be everything he says he is. And we don't. We don't prove him. We try to prove ourselves. By ourselves, our lives are mediocre at best. And at worst, they're kind of disasters, right? Really. I mean, maybe you look good on the outside, but, you know, sometimes you feel like you're looking pretty good on the outside and you're really a mess down in here, right? Have you had that? I've had that. There's so many miss missing pieces that we're trying to fill. We keep trying to fill it with things that don't belong there. We keep trying to shove puzzle pieces into the wrong spot, right? And it doesn't work, and the picture's not very good, and, and it's not coming together, and we're, we're feeling like a failure. We can't figure out why. What's wrong? What am I doing wrong? I've got all these pieces, and I'm putting them together, but they just don't seem to be working out. But I, I read a, a quote the other day um, that I want to share with you, and it, it kind of hit me. Um, this uh, quote I read said, I've never seen one instance in the Bible where God enters someone's life and then says, hey, you know what? Just keep doing what you're doing. You're doing great. I've never seen that. And it's true. God does not look at your life and say, you get the gold star. You have done an amazing job. There's nothing for me to do here. He never says that. Why? Because, because we're such jokers? No. It's because he's perfect. And when he looks at our lives, he sees the design he made and the mess that we've kind of made of it. He said, but I know how to put that back together. I designed you in the first place. I know how this works. I know which piece goes where. I designed it. And so when God looks at us, he's looking at us with an idea of, I can do more in your life. I want you to have that abundant life, and I am what makes it abundant. And so God is always a change agent. He always is. Everywhere he shows up, he makes changes. 
but he doesn't make them without our permission. He does it by invitation only. He never takes control until you give him control. He never does. You know that song that we make fun of? Jesus, take the wheel. You know, <laughs> probably because it just played too many times. But that, <laughs> that idea where I'm driving my own life and things get out of control and I need a bigger power than I to take the wheel, to take control and get me to where I'm supposed to be going. And so, but Jesus is never like, <laughs> Jesus is never the, you know, the passengers who's like, oh, just let me take that. Oh, you are such a bad driver. He never does that. He never pushes us out of the way and says, you know, I can do this so much better. Would you just stop trying? He never does that. Instead, he sits there and says, would you like me to take control? Would you like me to put it back together? Would you like me to show you the way? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life you're seeking. Do you want me to do that for you? And we're like, no, not right now. Um, as soon as I get it all together, Jesus, then I'll give you the credit. As soon as I get it, as soon as I get it all figured out, then I'll, I'll tell everybody that you, you're a good God in my life. That's what we do. <laughs> He's not God at all then. He's not in control. He invites us to come into relationship with him. That's what it means to be created with the will to choose. God speaks his will, but we make the choice of whether we're going to be a participant in his will or if we're going to be a spectator. Are we just going to watch his will be accomplished? Because we know last week, Pastor preached so well about it, his will will be accomplished. Am I just going to sit and watch it happen around me while I muddle through life? Or am I going to choose to say, Lord, you take control. Your will, not my will, your will be done. Do you do that every morning? Do you, do you submit yourself to the Lord? Because he's waiting. He's ready. He wants to help you through your day. Do you just hurry off? We all do sometimes. We hurry off. We're like, I got this, 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 and this. I mean, I'm a list. I'm a list maker. Any other list makers here? Do you have that checklist? Maybe it's not really on paper, but it's always right here. I mean, it's always screaming, right? Like, hey, you didn't do this yet. Oh, look. Oh, that. Oh, oh, oh. Add that to the list. Oh, now I have 18 things on the list. Oh, now I have 19. Oh, and I checked one off. So back to 18. Okay. <sighs> we get so exhausted. But God says, would you first, first submit that list to me? Say, Lord, all these things are not really mine. I give you control of them. I ask you to take my life, like we sang, take my heart, take my feelings, my emotions, my everything. I give it to you because you can do it so much better. And yeah, of course, then yes, we do go to work. We do a good job at our, our employment. We do all the things. We do all the things. But what we are actually doing is we're walking in his will. And everything that happens, we'll be okay with, whether it's good or bad, because we know that he's going to work it all together for good, for his good, 
So the invitation, you could, you could wrap it all up and say, this is the invitation. You could do that. You could break it apart and say, there's many, many invitations in this word, and there are, right? There's many invitations. But we're going to look at a couple of invitations that are in this book this morning. The first one is the invitation to come close. The invitation to come close. Now, we all have uh, our personal bubble, right? Some people have a very small one, and some people have a humongous one. Uh, In the last year, we've had one dictated to us. But we all have one. And so we are, some people are really ready to have people come closer. Like, care, care, care. And they'll get right up in your face and they'll be like, oh. And you might be the one being like, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, I don't want you that close to me. <laughs> and, uh, but we all have that personal bubble. And when somebody is dear to us, when somebody becomes important to us, when somebody, uh, when we become more intimate in a relationship, we actually are okay with them getting closer, right? We're okay. I don't want a stranger right up against me, but I, I, I like to have my family close to me, right? I, I, I don't mind squishing into a, a packed seat with my husband or my children. I don't mind that at all. But with a stranger, you know, you get in an airplane, you're all packed in there, you just kind of feel like, (laughs) I'm not comfortable. So we all have this bubble around us, but with God, he is everywhere. And yet he waits for us to invite him to come close to him or to come close to us. He waits for us. He's there. He's ready. But he doesn't impose on us. Hebrews 7.25 gives us a reason why we might want Jesus to come close to us. And it's because it says Jesus is also able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. So the ones who come close to Jesus, they're going to find salvation. It says to the uttermost. There is nothing that God can't save you from. That's incredible. You know that word uttermost? It's kind of like the word all. It's, it's a superlative. It's, it's like there's nothing left. There's nothing left. So when God saves you because you've come close to him, he saves you from something, saves you at your desire to give control to him. When he saves you, he saves you to the uttermost. There's nothing left to save. You are saved by him. And so he's able to do that. Hebrews 10.22 says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. The full assurance of our faith is we then, we're then understanding that when we put our faith out there, Jesus answers it. When we, when we put, our, put ourselves out there, he answers it. Have you ever had a situation where you kind of put yourself out there and Wham, you were just kind of run over. You were rejected. You were, oh, don't you hate that? When you're like, okay, I'm just going to kind of, oh, that was a bad idea. (laughs) I don't like that. I don't like that. I tend to be a a calculator and see, is is this a situation where I'm going to fall flat on my face? Because if it is, I'm not doing it. (laughs) But if it isn't, 
I'll go ahead, right? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't have to be perfect, but I don't want to be a total failure. But with Jesus, <clears throat> we have full assurance of our faith, where when we do take that little step of faith out, he meets us right there. He's right there saying, yeah, that's it. That's right. I'm not going to reject you. I accept you. You are my child. When a little child runs to their mama, say, mom, mom. I mean, a decent mother, no decent mother is going to be like, not today. Not your mom today. Get back to me tomorrow. Take a ticket. Take a number. No, no decent mother does that. No decent mother. When, the, when baby comes running, mama, they're like, Right? I just had this morning, little Adriana came up to me. She's never done that before. And she came up to me like, mm, of course I had to pick her off and give her a little snuggle. Right? Because it's precious. When, and that's how Jesus sees you. You are precious in his sight. So when you do take a little step forward to him, when you do choose to draw near to him, he's like, oh, I like that. Oh, yes, this is what I like. This is the relationship I'm looking for. Not a distant relationship that we only see each other once a week on Sunday, but this intimate relationship where my child can say, Father, I need you, and I'll be there right then. So let us draw near with a true heart. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly, Onto the throne of grace. Why do we get to come boldly? Because we are his children. He says we can. We have the right to approach him. He wants us to approach him. James 4, 8 says, draw nigh to God and he will what? He'll draw near to you. When you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. It's a give and take relationship. You're not the one doing all of it. You take a step of faith, he runs to that faith. He answers it. So this invitation to come close, will you say yes to God's invitation to come close? Will you choose to say yes to God's invitation to come close? Another invitation that's in this word is an invitation to discipleship. What is discipleship? Discipleship is following following Mark 1:17 Jesus said to them Come after me and I will make you to become fishers of men Did they know what fishers of men are Did they know that Were they like oh that sounds great I've always wanted to be a fisher of men They had no idea what he was talking about And half the time we don't know what God is really calling us to do and half the time is a good thing we don't know because we probably would say, no, <laughs> no, I can't do that. I mean, he didn't go to Peter and Andrew and said, follow me, and in three years you're going to be hunted and you're going to be killed and, you know, no. He <laughs> this is what it's going to look like. He didn't do that. Why? Because he knew that their faith wasn't big enough yet for that. He knew where they were. He knew where their heart was. So he just said, come and follow me. And they took that step of faith and said, okay, I'll follow you. So that invitation to discipleship is open to all of us. Jesus has said, you're invited. You're invited to be my disciple. You can follow me 
as long as you will, as long as you will. And so just like those 12 disciples, our, our choice to, dis, to accept discipleship gives us the privilege of being associated with Christ intimately. And, and why would you want to be a disciple of Jesus? Why would you want to be a fisher of men? Well, because there's benefits. There's benefits. Number one, there's treasure in heaven. Matthew 6, 19 through 21 says, lay not up for yourselves treasures on the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Yes, wherever you put the importance on, whatever you put the importance on is where your treasure is. So if you're putting importance on your relationship with Jesus Christ, you will have treasure. You will find treasure, heavenly treasure, spiritual treasure. And then the second reason that I would want to be a fisher of men and follow Jesus is because it gives me freedom. Freedom because of truth. John 8, 31 says, if you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed. You're not just saying you're the disciple, but you are a disciple. And you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Now, people like to just take that last, oh, it's not up there. Uh, people like that last bit of the truth making you free. That's the part everybody loves about that, those verses. Everybody loves, oh, the truth will set you free. I'm going to tell you the truth. The truth will set you free. And they're like, oh, okay, that's, no. but you're plucking it right out of context because it's really saying that, you, well, let's back up. You're not even going to know the truth unless you've already continued in his word, which makes you a disciple indeed, and then you'll know the truth. It's so hard sometimes to know what truth is, right? We look and we try to find and, we, and we, we do our due diligence. We read this, we read that. We try to put it together. God gave us brains. We're supposed to be able to use them and come up with good ideas. And, and we read his word even, and we try to understand his word. But you know, you cannot fully understand the word of God unless you are his disciple. You continue in the word, even when it doesn't make sense. You continue following what the word says. Your obedience leads you in the path of righteousness. So you continue following what you know to be true, and God will show you more truth. He doesn't get done with us. He keeps giving. He keeps showing. He keeps revealing. So we can't be like, oh, I know what's in this word, and I'm good. He said, but I am so much deeper than what you're seeing. I want to reveal myself to you. That's what people do in an intimate relationship. That's what we do when we're close to somebody. When we follow somebody closely, we want to know everything about them. So we get in the word, we continue in the word, and then we are his disciples. Then we're actually following him. And then we can be fishers of men because we know what we're giving the world. And we'll know the truth, and the truth will set us free. But you cannot know the truth unless you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Somebody can tell you the truth, and you won't get it. You won't understand it. You need the revelation that comes with it. You need that. 
So Jesus is the truth, and you'll get freedom through truth because you're close to the truth, Jesus. So the invitation to discipleship is very important. Will you say yes to that invitation today? Will you say, yes, Lord, I am ready to be a disciple indeed I am ready to follow your word. I am ready to continue in it and be a disciple and let your truth be made known in my life. Are you ready to give a yes to that invitation? The third invitation is an invitation to rest. An invitation to rest. I could use more rest in my life. I, I don't know about you. <laughs> Anybody say, no, I've got all the rest I need. Is there anyone here today who has all the rest they need? No? What's wrong with us? I, I mean, we're made to be able to rest, right? Anybody here that's never been able to sleep? Does your body sleep sometimes? Yeah. We're made, we're created to be able to rest, but we always feel like we don't have enough rest, Right? Well, Jesus has given us an invitation to rest. Since the fall of man, when sin entered the world, we have become creatures of restlessness. That's not how we were created to begin with. In the Garden of Eden, they lived in paradise. It was perfect. They had perfect relationships. Their intimacy with God was incredible, they would walk with God in the cool of the evening. They would enjoy his presence anytime they wanted. Their food was just hanging there for them to just grab and eat. Everything was provided for them. That's how it was created. But when sin entered the world, so did restlessness. With sin driving a wedge in between us and God, we cannot experience his peace when that wall is there. We can't. The peace cannot get through because there's something cutting it off. And that is sin. Unrest in our lives and in the world around us. And I mean, I'm sure you are aware that it's an unrestful time in this world, right? It is unrestful. Restlessness everywhere. But that is not a physical thing. That is a spiritual thing. Spiritual unrest. And why? The spirit of this world is a spirit of unrest. You know, Satan was cast out of heaven. And when he was cast out of, out of heaven, he was placed on earth. Okay? And he was given authority on earth. And what does he do? What does he do? What's he spend all his time doing? Yeah, lying. <laughs> That's what comes out of his mouth all the time. In the book of Job, <laughs> in the book of Job, uh, Satan presented himself to God, okay? At the beginning of Job, he presented himself before God, along with other spirit beings. They were presenting themselves before God. And here comes Satan, right? And God said, Satan, what you been doing? What have you been up to? And uh, what, what was his answer? Oh, I've been doing all the important things. I've been going to and fro on the earth, walking up and down in it. That's all he'd been doing. He's just going about with no real 
good purpose. He's just walking to and fro, walking up and down in the earth. He has nothing better to do, right? He ruined it for himself. He has nothing better to do. So when he presented himself before God, he didn't get to be like, oh, God, I've done this and this and, you know. No, he's like, I'm walking to and fro. It's amazing. Every day, walking to and fro. Well, that is that sounds kind of comical, the way I'm presenting it, but that is what Satan does. And we see in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, a warning be careful, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, which is who? The devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So he's not just going to and fro. He's not just walking up and down the earth. His restlessness even has a purpose. His restlessness is with the purpose of seeing what he can destroy. And he's specifically looking for the sons and daughters of the Most High God. That's specifically what he wants to destroy. So that is why he is our enemy. He is our adversary. Not, not because it's a big boogeyman that we need to be afraid of. Oh, the devil's been after me all week. No. It's that there is a spirit being that is seeking to drive a wedge between you and God. The wedge he drives is sin. He invites you to sin. He invites you to to the things that you think are good to look upon, like Adam and Eve. He invites you to do things that will capture your attention away from God. He invites you to do things that will become idols in your life, that will keep you from spending time following after Jesus Christ. And we know from what we just talked about that if we don't follow after Jesus Christ, we are not his disciples and therefore we don't know truth. So when Satan captures our attention with whatever the thing is, he has now cut off your ability to be a follower of Jesus Christ and to know truth. So restlessness is not a good thing. It is something spiritual, and we have to be cautious of that restlessness The Bible says the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. And it says in the morning you shall say, oh, that it were evening. And at evening you'll say, oh, that it were morning. It's like there's no contentment because contentment comes in Jesus Christ. That's when you're truly satisfied. There was an old song that we used to sing when I was growing up. It said, only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only he can cleanse your heart and make it whole. The world's going to offer you all these things. Satan will offer all these things to you. Don't be, yeah, I'll say it. Don't be dumb. Don't be dumb. Don't fall for that. Don't fall for that. Satan's like, look at this. Isn't this amazing? You're like, yeah. And we get hypnotized with the silly things of the world. And they become idols in our life and clink. Clank, the chains go on. And then we find ourselves in the presence of the Lord being like, I can't raise my hands to worship. I can't bow before him because I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. I can't move. And Satan's just like, oh, that's too bad. I'll go to and fro somewhere else because you're taken care of. But God has made a way for you. 
he can make those chains, like we were singing earlier, the chains have to fall at the name of Jesus. The, the uh, bondage that you find yourself in is not forever unless you choose it. It's not forever unless you choose it. Every day we come in contact with mixed up, paradoxical men and women, rich people who are held in the grip of insecurity. They've got everything they want. What's wrong with them? There's intellectual people who can't find their way. What's wrong with them? They've got an amazing brain. Why can't they figure it out? We come in contact with strong people who actually live in fear and weakness and defeat. What's wrong with them? They're empty. The changeable, unsettled, roving, transient, sleepless, and fidgety spirit of this world is due primarily to the restlessness of the human heart and its separation from the Christ of tranquility and peace. These insecure individuals, and even these insecure individuals, we could find spiritual peace and physical rest if we would only surrender our life to Jesus Christ. Yes, if we would surrender. It's in the surrender that's what makes the difference. It's not in you doing the things. It's in the surrender. And then you follow wherever he leads. It makes the obedience easy. It's hard to obey something you don't want to, right? But when I surrender to God and I say, Lord, I, you know better than me. You know better than me. When I do that, then he says, and so since I know better... I would like you to do this, and I'll be like, okay, you know better. But if I'm not surrendering, he said, I'd like you to do this, then I'll be like, that's a dumb thing to do. Why would I do that? Why would I serve the Lord? Why would I go to church? Why would I seek his word? Why would I spend time in prayer? Why would I listen to the preaching of the word? Why would I? Why would I do that? If you're not surrendered, there's no reason to do it. There literally is no reason to do that. But when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you do these things as part of your relationship with God, and then he can do his work in your life. He'll do the impossible. He'll do the miracles. He'll do the supernatural. All the things that you can't do, you don't know how to do, you have no clue where to start. He knows. He's the end and the beginning. He knows everything about you. He designed you. And he wants you to have abundant life. And you're the one saying, I don't need it. I don't need abundant life. Doing just fine without it. Until that crisis moment when all of a sudden I need it. If only we would respond to Jesus' invitation in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If only we would choose to yield to the power of the Holy Ghost, receive his spirit in our life, and let him speak to us from the inside out. Because Isaiah says that this is the rest, talking about the Holy Ghost, this is the rest wherein you cause the weary to rest. This is the refreshing and you say, no, you don't want it. Well, then you can't have rest. You can't be refreshed. And in, in Psalm, David said, truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. He says in Psalm 4, in peace, I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, has made me dwell in safety. And that leads me to the next, the fourth invitation that we find in the word of God. And that is an invitation. You are invited to security in him. 
Security. Do you want security in your life? Do you want to feel secure? Do you want to feel like things are okay? That things are going to work out? That they're going to be all right? Do you want that? Is that something you've ever desired? I want things to go well. I want my life to be worth living. I want to change the world around me. I want to make a difference. I want to be important to the people around me. All of those things. I want my home to be safe. I want my mind to be free from fear. I want my heart to to not feel lonely and, and not feel scared and like I'm just a child in the dark. I want all those things. If you want all those things, they're found in Jesus Christ. Security in him. Uh, John 15, 4 says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. If there is a good strong vine growing and a little branch comes off, that's the branch that's going to bear fruit. But if you cut it off, it will never bear fruit, right? If that branch is not connected to the vine, it cannot bear fruit. And so if we are not connected to Jesus Christ, if we do not have an intimate relationship with him, we can never bear the fruit of that in our lives. We will never have abundant life. We will never enjoy security in Jesus if we are not willing to be abiding in him. Abiding means this is my dwelling place. This is where I reside. This is where I hang out in Jesus Christ. And we want security. But Psalm 91 is is actually the the psalm where we find the security in him. The secret place. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. He will deliver you from deadly pestilence. He will cover you. Under his wings, you'll find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day. Does this sound like something you want in your life? Is this security? This is true security right here. You will not fear pestilence that stalks in darkness. You will not fear destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it's not going to come near you. You're going to be fine. Even when everything around you is just a disaster, you're going to be fine. You will only look with your eyes. You'll see it. You'll see the recompense of the wicked. But God has made a dwelling place for you. The most high is my dwelling place. Who is my refuge? No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot because he holds fast to me in love. I will deliver him. This is what God is saying about you. This person, this child of mine, this son, this daughter holds fast to me. They are choosing to abide in me. And so I choose to abide in them because they hold fast to me in love. I'll deliver my child. I will protect my child because he knows my name. When he calls me, I'll answer. When you call him, he will answer you because you've abided in him. You're staying connected to the vine. 
I'll protect him because he knows my name. When he calls me, I'll answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him. I will honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And we know that Jesus saves to the uttermost. When we're living in the security of God's shelter, that which would separate us from God no longer has any power over us. Doesn't that sound like an invitation you want? It is an invitation that you have. God says you are invited. You are invited to have this abundant life. All you have to do is send in your RSVP. Say, yes, I want that. Yes, I want you, Jesus, in my life. Yes, I will say yes to this invitation. I am not going to say no. I'm too busy. I've got other things going on. I'm going to say yes. God, I need everything that you have for me. Lord, I am here giving to you what you ask of me so that I can have what you want to give to me. In Jesus' name, will you say yes to his invitation today? I hope so. You will find abundant life if you do. If you don't, you will find that things will never work the way you want them to. They will never be smooth. You will never have security. You will never be satisfied in your soul. Let's lift the name of the Lord up right now. Thank you, Jesus, for that word. Come on, let's stand together and respond to the word. Lord, I, I don't want to build a hiding place that is not in you, Jesus. I don't want to build a place of coping. I don't want to. I want don't want to put in some, something in my life that I run to other than you, Jesus. Help me, Lord God, to respond to the invitation today, God. Help me, Lord, to move into your presence. And when life gets dark, let me walk toward the light, God. When life gets difficult, let me step underneath the shadow of the Almighty, Lord God. Lord, I thank you that you're my light and my hope and my joy. Come on, lift your hands, and let's just respond to the word of the Lord. If you have put any hiding places in your life that are not in Jesus Christ, would you tear those places down right now in your mind? Lord, if there's anyone running to a bottle, if there's anyone running to a, a drug, if there's anyone running online, if you're listening and, and you're, you're running to an illicit relationship, or you're, if that's your hiding place, that's where you seem to think that you can find comfort. That is not a place of comfort, for he is the comforter, the Holy Spirit. And right now I pray that the comforter would come into somebody's life and would release them from a hiding place that is hurting them, that they would run back to you, Jesus, that they would run back to you, Jesus. Where are you, Adam? I hid myself because I was afraid, because I was naked. The first thing we did when we fell was we hid in the wrong spot. Come on. There's no more hide and seek with Jesus. We have to open our hearts to him and just let that invitation come right now in the name of the Lord. In Jesus' name, this altar's open. If you need to take a time of prayer and you say, Lord, I need more truth. I need, I need more of you, God. I need more of your help in my life. I need your direction. Direction. I need your guidance. I need a moment with you. Come on, respond to the word. It is the word that's sown, but it is us that cultivate and water it in prayer. Take a moment with the Lord right now. If you need to leave, we understand. If you have Mother's Day celebrations, we understand. God bless you. Happy Mother's Day. But we need to take a moment in prayer and just 
just tell the Lord, if you're inviting, I'm stepping in. I'm going in as far as I can. If, if there's an open door into the throne room of grace, I'm going to run in and rush in. Lord Jesus, give us the boldness to come boldly to the throne of grace in our time of need. Lord God, help us understand that you're the God of truth. That is not a philosophical idea. It is not a learning. It is not a place of learning. It is not a degree. But you are, in fact, truth, Lord God. And we will lean on you. Right now, in Jesus' name, we lift you up. And we ask you, Lord Jesus, invite again. If we've forgotten where the door is at, invite again. If we've forgotten where the passageway is for our way out of hiding, invite us again, Jesus. Invite us to the cross, which was our way home. Invite us again to a place of brokenness. If our cross has been too heavy to bear lately, would you invite us to a place where we come and we lay down our lives next to you, Lord Jesus, and we surrender. Help somebody in this room surrender right now. In the name of Jesus, lift your hands and pray. Let us find a place of significant surrender this morning to the invitation that God has given us from his word in the main. In the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, we pray. We pray, we pray. Let your voice out, let your voice out, let your voice out. I'm responding. I'm not going to run to the things that I ran to. I know they don't bring comfort, Lord. There's a man in this room that's laying down something right now. I pray a, I pray a blessing over you that you're able to step away from whatever it is that you've been running to. It's not worthy. It's not worthy of your life. Only Jesus is. It's not worthy of your efforts and your time, but Jesus is. 